moving up, moving out, moving along. Where are you headed next? I'm Christy Cassidy, your host and the creator of Moving Along, a podcast about travel, relocation, and life transitions. Listen in to real-life stories as we explore moving along and what it takes to make your life a positive new adventure. Welcome to Moving Along. Ermi Hosine is my guest today. She is Bengali by blood and Italian by birth. She works in the financial services industry in Canada as an investment associate in Montreal. She is an indie author, blogger, YouTuber, public speaker, polyglot fluent in Italian, English, Bengali, and French, and mentor for other women and girls. Her book is called Discovering Your Identity, A Rebirth from Interracial Struggle. Welcome, Ermi. Hi. (laughs) It's so nice to have you. Thank you for having me. I want to ask you, you grew up in Palermo, Italy, correct? That's right. Part of my life, yes. And your parents are Bengali. They came from Bangladesh in the late 80s. And you grew up going to Catholic school as a Muslim, correct? Mm-hmm. So tell me, what did travel and moving mean to you when you were growing up? So for me, uh, when I was growing up, travel and moving meant a lot of sadness. Because, um, and probably this wouldn't, this won't be my, it wouldn't be the same answer. But if I think about it retrospectively, for me, it was always a moment of uh, sadness because uh, we would move a lot within Italy. We moved from the south to the north. Even within the city, we moved a lot from one place to another. And every time I had to always like make new friends. Uh, meet new people, learn to adapt in a new school. So for me, it was always always very sad because the friendship that I was making, I had to somehow, you know, cut them off. And back in the days, we didn't have a phone, we didn't have social media, so there was no way for me to connect with these people. And uh, you're right, I did uh, grow up in Palermo, but then I also moved to, to the north. And to the north, I was in different places. And at some point, we also went to UK. And then we came back to Italy. So it's continuously moving from one place to another. But if you ask me this question nowadays of what it means, I, I would definitely use a different word, which is exploration. So it changes. Like now, it changed the, the whole meaning with moving and traveling. So now moving and traveling means exploration to you. Is that part of why you came to Canada? Also, yes. Um, Also, I moved here a long time ago. And uh, I did my my school here. Now I work here. And uh, 
this probably has been my biggest exploration, but also a lot of self-discovery. So that's how I like to associate this other part of my life, which has happened uh, in my 20s. Uh, it, it has been a lot of self-discovery in Canada, which I don't think I would have got if I was, if I was still living in Italy. Why do you think that is? I think it's because um, Canada is so like multicultural and there are so many people from different countries, different ethnicity, which I don't think I would have met if I was living in Italy. Yes, we do have a lot of uh, immigrant people, but not as much as in Canada. Like Canada is really the definition of a melting pot. And even in Italy, when I was growing up, like all my friends and people I was hanging out with were mainly Italian. There was not that many, you know, immigrant kids. So for me, it was very hard to learn about other culture, learn about other parts of the world. Uh, because in Italy, like, there was only so much, you know. Like, even when I was going to school, I was probably the only one who looked different. At some point, we did have a few other people, but honestly, we belonged to the minority. And in, in, in Canada, it was like, oh my gosh, I have friends from, like, China. I have friends from Vietnam. I have friends from, like, Mexico. You know, like, it's something that I would have not expected to ever have. I think in your book, you talked about having friends when you were growing up, you did make friends, but that you couldn't go to their houses. You weren't invited to birthday parties. Was this on them or was it, you lay this at the feet of your parents, but maybe it sounds like it went both ways or? Um, yes and uh, meaning that, yes, they would invite me, but at some point they, they did stop inviting me because it was they all they already knew my answer, you know. It wasn't because I didn't want to go. It wasn't because they didn't want to invite me. It was just that, like, my parents were very, very strict with me. And there was, let's say, there, there was this whole cultural aspect that, you know, you, we shouldn't give too much freedom to, to a girl. And so it was a little bit of both ways. Uh, it was a, a bit of both. So because of that, I, like, I really sometimes I did not have the teenage life that I wish I had. I wish I had, like, other... Uh, peer friends um so it was a little bit of both it was that uh, perception you know like if we give too much freedom it's it's gonna be an issue afterwards do you have brothers or sisters i have a sister and she's younger than you yes suddenly i'm thinking that having a younger sister is maybe why you enjoy mentoring i think in my whole um passion for mentoring started because I did not have one. Like I wish I had one who looked like me when I was growing up, but I did not have. So it was, uh, often it was a struggle for me because I had to find answers through other ways. And often I would go to my Italian friends, but there was only so much that they could understand because we were not sharing the same identity. We were not sharing the same culture. We were not, you know, we were not from the same ethnical background. So it was, it was hard for me to make myself understand, you know, as much as they were trying to be understanding. But you will never understand fully one person unless you are in their shoes. And so then I was like, you know what, I think I, think I want to be the mentor that I never had. And I want to be a mentor for people like me. And so I started to mentor 
after I came to Canada, I did it as a part-time job. And I was actually getting paid for this. But this was like at university. But then after university, I was like, you know what? I actually very much enjoy mentoring. So let me do this through volunteering uh, activities. So I joined a couple of organizations that do mentoring. And a few of the girls that I mentor are actually from the South Asian background. So I very much enjoy that. Yeah. When your sister came along, did you feel like you belonged in a way that maybe you didn't feel before then? What do you mean by belonging? Somebody mm-hmm. else who looked like you, who was not your parents? I don't know if I can describe it. She's not like my younger sister, but there was like, I never questioned this. Like, oh, do I have a sense of belonging or anything? I think because of the age gap. And it was something that never crossed my mind. And now that you're asking me, it's crossing my mind. <laughs> so no, I don't think I can describe it that way. She's much younger than you are. Yeah. So it's not like you were besties. We are besties. Um, we are besties, but um, we don't discuss like culture, identity, belonging. Because I also feel like we both had a different upbringing. In what way? In many ways. <laughs> In many ways. Because I, I feel like the freedom that I didn't have, she had it. And I always think it's so much, so much easier on the younger siblings you know like (laughs) you're the first one to be born okay you are like you go through all the hurdles and then the easiest path you just paved the way for them basically so for for her i feel like it was always a little bit easier she always had a little bit more freedom she still does have a lot of freedom and she grew up a lot with um with bengali people a lot of bengali people whereas i grew up with a lot of italian friends and her circle of friends are just mainly Bengali, where mine are not. It's different people from different countries, yeah. Wow. So is she still in Italy? She's in UK. And she's in the UK. And your parents, where are they? In UK. Oh, so they're in the UK. You moved around a lot. Was this because of your dad's work? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> That's a very good question. No, we just moved around for a better life. Because um, Sicily, it's a good I mean, it's a good place. It's okay, but it's not. Eventually, you're better off moving elsewhere for a better lifestyle. So that's why we moved a lot. We moved a lot to have a better life, basically, a better future. There was, it, wasn't, it was never related to, to work. Interesting. So the U.S. is a nation of immigrants. This is about your story, but I'm also curious about your parents' story uh, my parents, I think they moved really early 19s. So right after they got married, they moved into Italy. How did they get to Palermo? Did they go through Libya? Um, you know, that's something that I never really asked um, to, to my parents. I know that my dad, he was assessing between few countries. I know Canada was one of them. Then there was UK, there was Italy. And I think he chose Italy because it was a bit easier to immigrate. And so I think going through Sicily was a bit a, a bit smoother. So that's why. But I don't know the whole, like, I don't know if he had to go through another country before coming to Italy. I was just curious. There was Mar- Martelli, Martelli's Law, something in Italy that made it a little bit easier for not just people from Bangladesh, Bangladeshis, but other people not from Europe to get a path to citizenship. 
Mm-hmm. Were they naturalized? Uh, as in, if they became in Italy? a pension. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you plan to become a Canadian or are you? I am by law. <laughs> you are by law. Oh, that's cool. Tell me I about am. that. Yes, I am Canadian by law, but I, I never tell anyone that I am Canadian because I'm not able to associate myself with the Canadian identity, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I think I just proudly feel Italian and Bengali, even though Canada is great, but I, I can never go around and tell I'm Canadian. I, I never, never, never say it because I know I'm lying to myself. And it's not because I don't like Canada. It's just, it, I just feel like it's, it's, not, it's not there yet. You're not saying, I'll never feel Canadian. You're saying you don't feel it yet. Exactly. Even when I'm traveling, and people ask me, like, oh, where are you guys from? Like, I never feel like saying I'm from Canada, although I live here, you know? Like, for me, it comes natural just to say I'm Italian. But uh, it's, it's a bit of a struggle, I have to say. So I just say I live in Canada, but I, I never say I'm from Canada, even though because I feel like if it's something kind of people think I'm born there, I'm raised there, but it's not true. It's a struggle because I don't, I really don't associate myself from to Canada. But I always say I'm Canadian by law. That's why I always emphasize it by law. You identify as a third culture kid, someone, kids of immigrants, right? Yeah. And would you agree that third culture kids are citizens of everywhere and nowhere? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I do agree with that sentence. We're citizens of everywhere, but also nowhere. And I follow some pages on Instagram, and I, I found a page for third culture kids. And I saw the struggle they go through, like people questioning their identity, them not knowing, not, not knowing how to associate themselves, um, struggling when you're being asked where you're from. It's like you belong to so many countries, but at the same time, you're not, you were never sure what kind of or what type of answer to give. And it's, it is a struggle. I do think it's a, it's a big struggle because I feel like you always have to find yourself, like you find yourself explaining too much. And that's the problem. It's like we just have to justify every single thing that we're saying. And I went through that struggle as well, especially after moving to Canada because, because people would question my, my identity. They would question my answer. And like I, I feel like if I was just born and raised no one would question it, you know. But if I was just coming from one one country, but because I have this like multiple ethnicity, people question even because of my accent too, which I which I don't know if it's like as strong as it was before, but that was also a factor too. When you speak French, do people think you have an accent in French too? I'm pretty sure I do have. I'm pretty sure no one ever said anything, but I'm pretty sure I have an accent and I think it's there. My Italian accent comes out. <laughs> That's what I think it is too, an Italian accent. <laughs> it, do- it does come out. I know it does. It does. Um, I can sense it. <laughs> but they look at you and they don't necessarily think Italy at first, right? They think something else. They think uh, Latina, actually. And, yeah. and how does that feel? I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I think people think I'm from Mexico, some people think I'm from Peru. It's like nice because I'm like, oh, this is how I can come across, which is cool. What's the biggest risk you feel you've taken in your journey? 
You know what? Because I, I work in finance and we say higher the risk, higher the return. And um, for me, definitely coming to Canada was a big, big risk. And just because I, I, I had no clue of this place, like zero, zero clue. It was a little bit of a cultural shock at the beginning, but I was also like, I'm also very curious. And so I, I led my curiosity to guide me through this. And you know, there is like a quotation says, um, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. I don't know if you know this quotation. And I do like to think of everything that I do, which is unknown as something that has, you know, treasure at the end, which you're not aware of, but it's there. So there's like a price waiting for you. So that's how I like to associate when I take a, take a risk, because there is a lot of unknown uncertainty, but with a lot of unknown uncertainty, there are like good things on the other side. So for me, I think probably the biggest risk was coming to Canada because it was really a place where no one speaks Italian as a first language. No one speaks Bengali as a first language. So I really had to like adapt myself to a new environment and, you know, make new friends, work in a place. I never worked in Italy, so even working here was different. I had to study in a different language, which was in my mother tongue. So it was really a lot of like exploration and discovery. Did you already have English when you got to Canada? Yeah. And French too, or no? Yeah, I had both, but um, he, he speak uh, the French uh, Quebecois. Mm -hmm. So... Quebecois is not taught in Europe. It's not taught. You learn French from France. So when I came to Canada, the, the Quebecois was a little bit of a challenge for me because I um, never heard the, the Quebecois before coming to Canada. So they have a different accent. They use different expressions, different words for other things. They speak very, very fast. So I had to really like adapt to that accent and I had to like, work on it for a couple of years before I could just be like, okay, I I can work in a French environment. So it took me a few years to adapt with the Quebecois, but now I work in a French environment. So I feel like I also overpassed that challenge. I don't think that the people you work with could ask for anything better than having someone who's so adaptable and flexible and has the ear for languages. You Sorry. can ask them how they feel. <laughs> You should ask them how they feel. Have you ever? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's too embarrassing, right? <laughs> Did you find Toastmasters in the desire for public speaking? Was that connected with work or school or, or just a, a desire to connect with others from a podium? Uh, no. It was, um, it was through school. And we had the extracurricular activities that we had to do. And uh, I went to this workshop and they were like, oh, there is Toastmasters. I was like, oh, okay, let me look into it. Because, you know, public speaking is probably one of the biggest fear shared among many. And I think there was uh, also, like, my concern, like, I have a lot of fear with public speaking. And so what happened is that I, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to attend Toastmasters. So I attended a few, like, meetings and I did a few um, uh, speeches, but it was never, um, like I never actually worked on it as much. It was just for me, for the sake of having like extracurricular activities on my resume. But after I was done with school, 
basically what happened is I was like, you know what, I want to go back to Toastmasters because I have a desire to do a TED Talk. So I went to, um, yeah, so I joined Toastmasters and then afterwards uh, I, like I stick to it. It's been more than five years that I'm part of Toastmasters and I very much enjoy it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's wonderful. That's, I'm a Toastmaster too. So yeah, I know. Hmm. So how's your progress on the TED talk? Did you get a TED talk or a TEDx or? Uh, no, not yet. I not yet. I know it's a very tough process. I know they're very selective when it comes to choosing people to give a TED talk. So I'm trying to, um, you know, get my food there but honestly it's 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 been really really hard it's been really hard and i'm like you know what i just i just have to make sure that i don't give up and i give this that up as soon as i find the opportunity that's great well doing the youtube right and your blog we'll definitely put it in the show notes if you want us to the youtube for sure what was the biggest surprise on your journey the biggest surprise oh my gosh i don't know I'm going to say life surprises me every day <laughs> um, with the, everything that I do. But I think probably it was, for me, the biggest surprise. Maybe it's more associated to myself and my own evolution and transformation as a person and how I changed to become resilient, tenacious, how I am flexible and adapt- adaptable to, to things, which I think it's very important to have especially if you're like moving around a lot in different parts of the world like anywhere you go you will face different people different cultures different religions so you have to be you have to be dynamic you need to be dynamic and you have to be open to the fact that not everyone shares your own vision of the world there are different perspectives there are different visions in this world so you have to be able to like be welcoming and accepting that so for me that was that was that more like a a change in my character maybe have your parents read your book no they don't know about it and i don't think i will tell them i assume they speak english they they must if they're living in the uk right and no, don't worry not where they live where they live they there's a big community of bengali people so they don't need to speak english discovering your identity that's the title of your book discovering your identity and that's kind of what you were just talking about right that unfolding and discovery of being flexible and and mutable and alive in the world is what it Mm -hmm. sounds like to me and able to traverse the world in a way that many people can only dream of but you subtitled it a rebirth from interracial struggle talk some more about that so it's very much related to what we have just discussed um, because like I always went through this struggle of finding myself from a cultural point of view. Like I never knew or do I say I'm Bengali and never knew or do I say I'm, I'm Italian. And after years of reflections, open dialogues, a lot of internal work, I finally came to accept myself and finally found the answer that I was looking for, you know, like, what do I actually feel? Like, do I feel more Italian or do I feel more Bengali? And I always felt like if I was choosing one and not the other, I was never telling 100% of my story. I was never saying, like, who 
am I as a person? You know, like I feel like I was just living out a big chunk of my life. And so that's where I come and create a fusion between the two, which is I am both. And that's what I call it like a rebirth because I finally came to accept that I am both of the two worlds and I'm fully convinced of this. That's why I never say Canada because I can't associate myself to the Canadian part. Like it's there, but do I feel Canadian? Like not really. I feel more Italian. I feel very much Bengali. Do you ever feel discriminated against? No, no. So you don't have that experience like many Americans do with discrimination or the side eye. The no. You don't get that in Canada. That's yeah. That's why a lot of people like Canada. <laughs> it's very different culture than the U.S. Do you go back and visit your parents? Uh, in UK, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I you don't. go back like once a year. You go back. Uh, once a year, yeah, depends. You know, we had the whole uh, pandemic, so it was it was less. But yeah, usually once a year. You're very physically fit, right? You walk every day. You. Where does boxing come into any of this? How does boxing help your life? I do love working out. I love intense workout. I tried various things, Pilates, yoga, all of these things made me fall asleep. And I'm more someone who likes to intense workout where I feel like, feel like I'm pushing myself, going beyond my limits. So I did Muay Thai before doing boxing, okay? So I did Muay Thai for three months, but I had to change the gym. And so I was like, okay, let me find another gym. But I couldn't find anything with Muay Thai. So I went with boxing. Boxing has really revolutionized the whole meaning of like a workout because I feel like I do have a transformation when I am in that boxing gym. Like I just love putting those boxing gloves and I feel automatically, you know, when you like become, you know, the, yeah, I don't know if you have watched those um superhero movies or like cartoons where you know you're a regular citizen but then when you have to save the world you just change and you become a superhero that's how I feel when I'm putting those boxing gloves and so every time I put those boxing gloves I'm like here is the warrior like I'm ready to conquer the world I'm ready to like go like win this so that's how I feel it just it just makes me feel very very powerful like as long as it's like it is a cardio workout and stuff like that. And you also learn about self-defense. But my main purpose is how it makes me feel afterwards. Like I do feel like much more confident. I feel I feel very strong, like physically and mentally. It helps me to release the stress. And I, it, and I think this is indirectly translated, not translated, but transferred in other aspects of my life. So that I very much uh, like, that's how boxing has changed my life. Now that, now in other type of workouts that I try to do, like HIIT or bootcamp, I feel like they don't give me the same level of boost that I get with boxing. Like it's just, it's like boxing it is, boxing is going to be like always. That's so cool. There's a whole community of women in boxing too. Is it very strong community in Montreal? Uh, like in the boxing gym that I go, we do have few women, but not as much. We're not represented enough in the boxing world. so. Like we're probably 30 people and there are like six girls or something like that. But, you know, at least we show up and we try to pave the way for other women, but they're not as, as much, unfortunately. You are a pioneer in many ways. <laughs> when you came to Canada, you didn't even know anybody there, right? No, 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 exactly. I had to start from scratch. Yeah. 
And the same in the boxing ring. Yes. Yes. And so I know I was very intimidated the first time when I went because I was like, I don't know, like it's just me going. But you know what? I was like, I don't want to depend on anyone to go and try new things. So I just went by myself. And I, I was like, you know what? I'll make new friends. So I did, I did make new friends. I wanted to ask you what drew you to finance? It was, uh, you know, when they said love at first sight, because I don't, I don't believe in love at first sight, but in finance, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it was a love at first sight with the finance uh, because it was my minor. And then afterwards, uh, I took a few classes and, um, and I don't know, I was just so in love with it. I don't know. It was just, it was just love. And I could see that I enjoyed studying finance. I enjoyed doing the exam, going to classes, listening to my professors. It was, it was just like, I was like, this is it. And so I did an undergraduate in finance and then I graduated. I started to work in finance and I was like, you know what? I still want to study finance. So I did, I, I did pursue a designation, which is called the CFA designation. It took me, it's a very hard designation. It took me, uh, um, I, it took me a couple of years for it to complete it because they had to postpone it because of the pandemic. But when I got that, it was like, it was probably my biggest achievement that I finally have those three letters next to my name. And I very much go proud, proud of myself. Like, even if no one is proud or if, if no one wants to be proud of me, I am proud of myself that I was able to achieve it. So for me, it was a big, big accomplishment. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, I've done it, you know? <laughs> wow. That's the CFA, a Certified Financial Analyst. Analyst. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. And where do you go from here with that? We'll see. We'll see. I, uh, I'm open to many things, but I, I like what I do right now. And uh, hopefully I can be a portfolio manager, but because I want to show other women that, you know, you can do it. So I want to be also a pioneer in that, in that uh, route as well. The one path is to, you know, become a portfolio manager, but I'm also open to other things that might come to my way. Like I was going to complete this designation regardless of my choice of my career. You know, it was my own personal accomplishment. When you said it was love at first sight. So I assume like numbers and math, all that comes very easily to you. Yeah, but I, I never saw it. Like I, I never thought I was talented, I guess. Like I, when I was taking math classes at school, I very much enjoyed it, enjoyed it, but I would never go and tell everyone, oh yeah, math is my favorite <laughs> subject, you know, like it was just something that I enjoyed and I was good at, but like I never went around and tell, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I love math, it's my favorite subject, but I guess I carried it, you know, in, in finance. You did it anyway. A lot of what interests me about people's stories on moving along is the level of risk that people take in finding their way on their own personal journey, right? How do you talk to other women and the people that you mentor and work with about risk in their own lives, taking risks or assessing risk? We never had a conversation about risk per se, but I would definitely tell them to assess the different outcomes that comes with taking risk. Um, I think, um, and this is probably one of the traits that we share, is that women tend to be a little bit more risk-averse in, men, in many ways compared to uh, men who are 
risk takers, risk lovers were uh, as were a little bit more cautious. But I think it's always very important to assess all the different options and to assess, you know, the different outcomes and take an approach that works best for us. So that would be like something that I would definitely tell them to to look at, like, okay, if you take this risk, risk, what are the consequences, you know, versus take the other option as a, as a risk. So it's really like evaluating different options, the different outcomes, and then just go with the one that you feel the most. I also think that. You know, if you don't take a risk, you're never living your life and you're not developing yourself at the fullest potential. That's how I also like to see it. That's why I say, I say like, higher the risk, higher the return. Um, I think when you take a risk, even though there is a lot of uncertainty, if you never take that chance, you will never know. So it's important to like, uh, you know, take this risk and figure it out afterwards. I think you're not losing anything. Have you ever failed? Uh, in what? <laughs> well, the higher the risk, the higher the return, but sometimes the risks don't play out. I, I am a very hardworking person. I am, I'm very hardworking, but I also know that if things don't go the way you're supposed to be, that's okay. That's okay because I think it's not about, you know, always succeeding, but it's more about you getting up after you fail. And I think I'm I'm very good at that. I think uh, I think resilience is much more important than uh, you know just always succeeding. So um, I'm someone who doesn't like to give up easily, and I'm not someone who feels down if something bad uh, bad happens. I just think it's part of life. I learned to to accept that it's part of life. I learned to accept to don't hold grudge, don't feel upset about things. It's just a lesson learned and it's it's, it's just going to help you to grow. So you have to see this more as something positive and not negative, basically. That almost brings us back to the sadness that you talked about in the beginning associated with travel and moving when you were growing up. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I used to think it was, uh, <laughs> it was very sad. But when, now when I think about it, I'm like, you know what? I think it wasn't, it wasn't so much of a sadness moment. Like as much as I wish I had a place that I call home, like physically home, uh, it's still, you know, I think it just helped me to gain a lot of experience and get a lot of learning and also get different vision of the words. Like if I was just stuck in one place, I don't think I would have got all of this. I don't think I could have said it any better myself. <laughs> that's, that's an amazing life lesson. That's, is that how you see it? It's life lessons. Yeah. Inside the sadness, then somehow that adaptability and mutability is like born of that. And yeah. You need sadness to find joy. That's that's a great. We should end it right there. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's, that's beautiful. It's a, it's quite a journey you've made yes. from Palermo to here to Montreal. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> In a pretty short period of time. <laughs> yes, all things considered. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you, thank you very much, and I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I'm Christy Cassidy, your host. We'll be back next time with more stories of travel, 
relocation, and life transitions on Moving Along. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.